Hello, and welcome to the Sister Struggles Podcast. My name is Joanna Jama at Sister Struggles Podcast and at Sister Struggles LLC on IG. And this is my podcast where I dig deeper into redefining self-care as a way for you to listen to your intuition, your needs, create better self-care habits and mindsets that serve you and not the roles you've been given. Then you can free yourself from burnout, people-pleasing, and toxic relationships. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to new episodes. I have Aisha Adams on today. Just an amazing blogger. I came across her uh, posts on Facebook, and now they're like a routine story post. So, uh, Aisha, you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, sure. Hi, I'm Aisha Adams, the founder of the Lenore Ryan Equity and Diversity Institute, producer of the Asheville View, and the blogger behind Nappy Thoughts, and super happy to be here with you today. Yes, yes, that's amazing. Um, I came across Nappy Thoughts myself and definitely deep dive into those blog posts, and I encourage my listeners to do that. Uh, But uh, one of the first things, since I brought up the screenshots, um, uh, one of the ones that really caught my attention because I focus on people-pleasing, toxic relationships, particularly with Black women, and um, this one is just really went straight to my heart, but you can't make someone love you by giving them more of what they already don't appreciate. So when you posted that, you tell me a little bit about how that is in your life or how that affected you. Yeah, let's back up just a little bit. So Nappy Thoughts is a blog. And in between the blogging, I am sort of curating these ideas and thoughts that I feel like kind of align with my personality and to really show people who are going through a healing process how we're all connected and that our struggles are similar. Right. And so the idea of me not like creating a whole bunch of new words is to like show there's somebody else in the world at the same time, like going through what you're going through or something similar. And that the way that you cope, the way that you show up, that it's okay and you're enough. And so I've really um, been doing it now for a few years and it's been a wonderful journey. And that particular post is so interesting because, you know, for me, you know, I'm I'm in a marriage and I'm very lucky that I am in a pretty decent marriage. I'm in a good marriage. And so a lot of the issues that I'm focusing on are issues with my sisters, with my my family, with my community, with my neighbors. And so a lot of times we'll see a post and it'll be like that post and it'll it'll be about like a romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. But for me, this is for that homegirl that you have that you keep showing up for, but doesn't show up for you, right? 100%. Or that coworker that you have, or that family member where you're the one that's always listening to their problem, but when you have a problem, like they're not there to listen to you, right? And mm-hmm. so this idea of like the only relationship being important is this romantic relationship and how love looks, but all of our ships are important, right? Our relationships with our parents, our siblings, our children, our neighbors, our coworkers, right? Mm-hmm. All of those relationships are important. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's that's one of the reasons why I started uh, my sister struggles uh, journey as well, just because those signs are very similar and love romantic love, platonic love, it's all the same because it's all connected to our attachment, you know, our needs as a child, because a lot of times we play that out or project that out as adults seen in our friendships. So I'm so glad that you brought that up. 
Also learning to understand your own patterns of attachment, which is why I talk about people pleasing, because um, that really affects the types of people that you attract. I've realized I've had a lot of issues with my friendships as an adult, because I particularly was attracting people that um, were feeding off of me and were essentially taking advantage of me in different ways, just being an empathetic person. And that's that's a lot of my audience, too. And I think, um, yeah, those patterns are very, very similar. And it's so mm-hmm. important for women, especially Black women, to pay attention to those things because that's how we get caught in those cycles, romantic or not. Right. Some of the struggles I focus on, I've mentioned, uh, but really like holding in emotions or not making space for their self-care. Are those issues that you've dealt with in your life? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm coming out with a blog post next week Mm -hmm. that is going to really detail my self-care journey, Mm -hmm. um, which I'm not really calling a self-care journey. I'm actually calling it, you know, we'll talk about our relationship with God. We talk about our relationship with our lovers. But again, we don't talk about like, how do you show up for yourself? Right. And what does it look like to be in relationship with yourself? Yes. What does it look like to be in love with yourself? First and foremost. And so I had to, yeah. And I um, actually, uh, uh, I guess year before last, I won Businesswoman of the Year, which is this big high honor and this amazing, you know, opportunity. But I had to limp across the stage. Mm. Um, and I was limping and I'm like, I need to go back to the doctor. And that day, the day that I won Businesswoman of the Year, I also was the lucky, proud owner of three blood clots and um, the candidate for a, a major surgery that knocked me down for 12 weeks. Right. Mm. So on the one hand, showing up at in Black excellence and what does that mean for Black women? What is Black excellence? What does it mean to be a strong Black woman? And Then on the other half of that, like, what does radical self-care look like? Radical self-acceptance look like? Radical self-love look like? And for Black women, those two things have always been in conflict, right? Right. And so it's really important to me to put my relationship with self first. And to be, like, when I look in the mirror every day, to be okay and accountable to her, And um, it's a really interesting journey, especially in a marriage. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like it finds, do you feel like you find yourself being a little bit more selfish in a good way? Yeah. So I'm very lucky Mm -hmm. that the person, my partner that I married um, is a very like autonomous, singular person. And I had to adapt to that. Mm -hmm. And so as a single mom, it was all about, well, what do you want? What do you need? And he was like, well, you better get you because I'm going to always get mine, right? And he taught me sort of how to do that because as Black women, we are taught we come last. with the children, the family, the community, then you. And so in watching my husband model, what does being self-full feel like, look like, sound like? Then I was able to come up with my own life, my own regimen, my own blueprint. That's really interesting. You are not the first person... um, 
that I've heard to say to, to essentially look at men and see how they interact in the world because they don't ask permission. Yeah. They don't, but they really don't ask permission um, in a lot of ways. And I think we can take a lot of uh, tips because we do live in a patriarchal society. And I think that women, particularly black women that are uh, making strides in their career and their lives, you know, can definitely be seen as, you know, a bitch or overly aggressive. But I think we definitely need to take those those tips, regardless of what people say, because at the end of the day, like you said, when you look in the mirror, what do you see? What do you want to see? You know, what kind of woman are you? Um, and how do you stand alone in yourself? So good. So good. Yes, all those things. <laughs> so uh, there's something else I also did want to talk about um, that I love to ask Black women because I think we are incredibly misunderstood. Uh, in my life experiences, I have had to, I'll just, bring up my own example, I have had to constantly justify that I'm not being aggressive or that I'm not being intimidating, that I'm just sharing an opinion like my, you know, non-person of color counterpart. Um, so what do you think is something that people misunderstand with you often as a Black woman? Yes. So I am a business owner. I'm a writer. I'm a mom. And I'm a wife. So there's two narratives I want to talk about. And the first is the auntie narrative. This idea that you can't be a successful black woman, a mom, and a wife. Mm-hmm. Like all, all the rich aunties are just uh, <laughs> no joke, right? right. Um, but I'm an auntie too, and my son is in college, and I am living out my dreams and doing all the things that I want to do. So this idea of like, I don't know, I'm seeing it a lot online. I don't know if you've seen this, but this idea between like the modern woman and a traditional woman and what it means to be feminine. Mm-hmm. I've definitely seen all those posts. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like me and my husband are polar opposites. So like when we first got married, I used to try to like wash the clothes, cook the food. Mm-hmm. And he was like, girl, you're so mad. Mm-hmm. And by the way, you don't even cook that good. Like my mama taught me how to cook what I like. So I'm good. I didn't marry you to cook and clean for me. Right? It's so honest, so, but so real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I am not your king. Mm. Yes. Say that again. I am your partner. You are to stand beside me and we are to do life together and we're to support each other. Exactly. And your journey can be different from mine. And so in my marriage, I am the business owner the go-getter and my husband works for me. He left his job to come work for me. Mm-hmm. Right. And he is the number one support person in my life. So I think that I, and so for me, when I first got married, I was confused because our community tells us go for that alpha, go for that guy who can provide for you, go for the guy who can support you, go for the guy who makes more money than you. Right. Mm-hmm. But luckily for me, the summer before I met my husband, I practiced Ramadan and I had read the Quran. And in the Quran, Khadijah is the business owner. And the prophet, may he rest in peace, worked for his wife. So then I went and I was looking at the Bible. My dad is a a, a Christian um, minister. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at the Proverbs woman, right? And when you decode those scriptures, you begin to see that matriarchal piece, that piece of like, what is the woman's role? How does she show up? And that was a big shift in my life Mm -hmm. that kind of allowed me to kind of disengage from 
like mainstream society expectations of what a woman should be. Right. So exactly like you said, I have a homeboy. He's a business owner. He asked my husband, he was like, y'all like, how do you deal with her mouth? And my husband was like, it's spicy. I like it. Mm -hmm. You know? So it's like, we've had to do a lot of work to like decode gender roles, to find ourselves in our marriage, to find ourselves in our lives, to have separate but equal lives. And it's been a lot of work, but I'm very proud of that journey. No, I think that's beautiful and well said because, yeah, you have to, like you were even saying earlier, you have to be able to stand alone and be essentially, I don't like to use the word complete, but complete on your own. Um, and I don't even know what that movie is, but you know, that that quote everybody's heard, like, you complete me. Um, and that is something mm-hmm. that is a running narrative I see in movies and music and everything. And it does teach us the wrong yeah. idea about not only love, but again, bringing it back around to friendships and just the people that we can attract in our lives. So it's very important to, you know, achieve a level of self-love within yourself that you don't care what anybody else thinks, because there is always going to be, that's something I run into all the time. There's always going to be something or somebody that thinks something negative about you, even when you do people please. So it's best to do what you need to do for yourself. Yeah. But as black women, like even more than that, like Mm -hmm. as black women, if you're super successful, Mm -hmm. you're aggressive. Mm -hmm. If you're not successful enough, you're a gold digger. If you want to be a housewife, you're a gold digger. Mm -hmm. If you want to be the CEO, you're a masculine, Mm -hmm. right? Like we, so the bigger thing for me is not just learning to love yourself, but to find your sense of belonging Mm -hmm. in this world and your path where you will be appreciated, respected, and celebrated. A hundred percent. Yes. And I think that when you do stand in your self-worth for sure, um, you do attract those people. Because they mm-hmm. sense that confidence and you know who you are, more importantly enough. Amazing. Um, I'm loving our conversation. Same. I did want to talk about, I really like to deep dive into what I call the Black women's schema, but um, I didn't coin that term. Do you, Have you had any experiences in your life, especially as a business owner and um, c- being so career driven where you've you know ignored your own intuition or gut feelings or like energies have been off, but you maybe didn't decide that that wasn't for you until maybe too late. So I don't believe in too late. Mm. Um, I just believe in divine timing. So I won't say that, but I would tell you that it has taken time for me to trust my gut intuition and feelings Mm. and to respect me. Facts. Right? So growing up as a Black woman, if Big Mama said, or Madea said, something we all took heed to it mm-hmm. right i am big mama now do you know what i mean right. 100%. I, I i have a 21 year old mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean so now stepping into that matriarchal role and like understanding my place in my family mm-hmm. under understanding my place in my community understanding my place with myself and so sometimes i haven't always trust myself mm-hmm. Sometimes I haven't always believed in myself. Sometimes I have ignored my intuition, my gut feeling or my calling, but it's a practice every day to be in relationship with the gut feelings, the callings, the mood swings and everything that happens within my body. Right. Um, And I think one of the things that nobody ever told, like they tell you, you have to get in touch with your intuition. They tell you you have to get in touch with your body. Mm -hmm. But the one thing of all the things that I do, like I lift weights, I run, I walk. But the one thing that I do that I feel like has really helped me get into what my body as a woman is heavy lifting. Yes. I can agree with you on that. There's a power that comes with that. 
Mm-hmm. What other ways um, do you, especially stepping into the matriarchal role, um, the Black women in my life uh, have definitely struggled with putting themselves first. So now that you're big mama, <laughs> how uh, have you found different ways to, it sounds like you've described some already, but how have you found ways to make sure you put yourself first? I don't necessarily feel like I have to put my first, myself first, second or third, because mm-hmm. I feel like without self, nothing else can be done. Mm. So foundationally, what do I do to take care of myself so that I can show up for my husband, my family, my niece, my mom, right? right. It's like, even before I got here, I, I was like, look, let him run sound check because I just finished working out, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So I Peloton, I've done, I'm going to have 20,000 minutes at the end of the year. Um, so I walk, I bike, I lift, I run, mm-hmm. I do yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my main thing. The other thing that I do is I celebrate myself. So, you know, I don't allow people to determine what that looks like for me. So if it looks like Gucci this month, it's going to be Gucci. And if it looks like a candle, it'll be a candle, right? I love that. So I really, um, you know, celebrate myself in the way that I feel like I need to be celebrated. I schedule my joy, right? Mm -hmm. But more than that, I'm particularly interested in how things look when they are not about me and what is my sense of belonging in those things, Mm -hmm. right? Right, right? So for example, when I'm in that meeting and the meeting is about somebody else, what am I sacrificing and do I have to be there and why am I there? You know what I'm saying? Because a lot mm-hmm. of times we other circus. You know what I mean? No, I know exactly what you mean. You're asking yourself like almost how you benefit as well. Because when you're a giver, well, I'm a self-described, you know, like I said, empath. And it's easy for me to give. It's natural for me to give. But if you're surrounded by takers, the energy's off and you're not benefiting. So yeah, you have to almost take stock of the room or take stock of the situation. Mm-hmm. I hear you. I hear you. And that that's okay. Exactly. Right. So when the pandemic hit, and you might have seen this um, on the um, Adam's page, there was a post and we were saying, um, be mindful of the people who take care of you. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it was a lot of people were like, well, sometimes people can't look after you and sometimes people can't. And I, you know, at first I felt sorry for those people, but now I think about it. If I can do all the things I do and look out for you and choose to do life with you, you have to choose to do life with me. Exactly. And if I only choose people who I am doing life with and for, then when my time comes, I won't have anybody to check on me, share with me or care for me. 100%. Right? And it's egotistical, right? Like who wants to be the smartest person in the room, the most resourced person? You can't be the best in the room all the time or you'll never get better. Mm -hmm. And on the flip side, it's exhausting, you know, if you're someone that people mm-hmm. come to you all of the time and they're um, those same people are not people that are giving to you and checking up on you, then you feel incredibly drained. I feel like that's something that I found Black women in my life have had to deal with, have had to struggle with. And it's just a pattern that I'm really trying to break and I'm seeing it online and I'm seeing it everywhere. And it's just, it's nice to see that that it's actually happening, you know, because I feel like it's also generational. I think it's been going on for too long and it's rooted in history and slavery and um, nothing's going to change if we don't do something different. Yeah, for sure. Do you have any upcoming project just with the new year? Do you have anything coming up that you want to talk about? Yes, 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 (laughs) sure. So of course, I'm the founder of the Lenore Ryan Equity and Diversity Institute, which is an 11th course suite of classes where you can get your 
um, conscious leadership certificate and DEI um, technology education or business. And so classes are up and available and they start in February. And in January, we're really focusing on purposeful alignment um, for CEOs and for those who are going through healing. So I'm going to try to work over on the blogger page to do some type of like new year visioning planning mm. session. I want to take that course. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get it up. And I'll, I'll, I will look forward to having you. Yeah, for sure. That's That sounds so necessary. Uh, can you go in a little bit into what DEI is? Yeah. Yeah, of course. So DEI is diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, you know, for sisters like us yeah. who are in the struggle, DEI is really diversity, equity, and inclusion is really a gateway to cultivate diverse, equitable, and inclusive workspaces. Mm-hmm. Right. And so as Black women, we know we suffer from the wage gap. Mm-hmm. We suffer from lack of mentorship. Yes. We suffer from not enough of us being in the C-suites. We suffer from discrimination, oppression, lack of respect in the workplace. And I get up every day and I fight against those things for us. And it's my my honor and my pleasure. Yes, that's amazing. And again, so needed. I have had so many experiences like, like that, being in the science space, being the only Black woman, or mm-hmm. even being, you know, the one of the few of a couple black women and there being some interesting unintended competition. It pits us yeah. against each other. Like and- there can only be one. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I go into workspaces to cultivate spaces where there can be eight or 10, right? Yes. We want to be the best company, not in competition with ourselves. And it's about bringing in, um, like you said, diversity, inclusion, different ideas, perspectives. It's not about, yeah, having one of each, because <laughs> that's how a lot of uh, programs end up being looking like just in companies I've worked for, creating a diversity platform and then making a person of color the head of that platform and then thinking that's enough. Exactly. So, so I go in and demystify some of those things. Yes, break and it just, down. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it was so amazing to have you on today. I've learned even more just of what you do. And I think my listeners would really appreciate. Um, and also look out for that course, everyone, because uh, I'm definitely going to be looking that up as far as leadership and just being a Black woman in a career space. Like we have to, like Aisha said, look for our sense of belonging. And that's really how we can be the most successful. Thank you guys again for tuning in to an episode of Sister Struggles. So please rate, review, subscribe, and just let me know what you think. And I would love to hear what you guys would love to hear on future episodes. Look out for new episodes every Sunday.